0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 218. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by PrepDish.com. Shop once, prep once, and enjoy healthy, stress free meals all week. At the end of this episode, we'll be speaking with PrepDish founder Allison Schaff about the service, and she has a special challenge that she's created for Lively Show listeners to help you get more into the flow in your life and meal preparation. Now let's move on to this episode. This episode is wrapping up our Quantum Living series and it is the most downloaded episode so far of the new 2017 episodes with over 77,000 downloads. By the time you've listened to this, it's probably around 79, 80,000 downloads. Can you believe that? That is a lot of people listening, probably more than once in many cases. I've actually seen a lot of comments about this episode in particular Brooke Castillo is a favorite guest on The Lively Show. She is the life coach and owner of the Life Coach School podcast and training program. You can check her out at thelifecoachschool.com. Brooke is my, I don't know what to say. She's just one of my favorite people to talk to, especially here on the show. And you guys love hearing us chat as much as we love chatting. So in this episode, we're covering a broad range of topics, including Abraham Hicks, is my intuition named Joe?, losing weight, making money, and so much more. Let's go to the show. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the show once again.
1: Oh my gosh. You know, it's my pleasure. Anytime.
0: I know. I just like emailing you and going, Hey, you want to come on the show?
1: I'm like, yes, let's do it immediately.
0: Okay. So I know it's been a while. So for those who are new to you, can you tell us quickly how you got to where you are? I've been in this industry a long time.
1: When I first started in this industry, nobody even knew what a life coach was. Everyone asked me what sport I coached and now it's just blown up. But I started as a weight coach and I did all of my initial practice as a weight coach. And then I created a format to manage the mind, which is the life coaching model, self-coaching 101. And I had such a successful business. Everybody kept asking me, hey, can you teach me how to run a business? So then I decided to start the Life Coach School. So for the past, I think, five years now, we've had the Life Coach School where we train coaches to build their own businesses and be coaches out there in the world and add more high-quality coaches to the industry. And I just recently have started doing what I call self-coaching scholars, which is me working with clients again, which is super fun. I work with tons of coaches too, but Everything that I do on the podcast, on the Life Coach School podcast, we just apply it together. So we just get rowdy and have a good time.
0: I know there's so many lively listeners that love your show as well. So for those that are new, hop over and check it out. I want to talk with you because I know you have been into Law of Attraction and Abraham Hicks stuff for far longer than I. We were just actually speaking about how you've been in that world for years, and I'm rather new in the last year or so, but man, did I get into it when I got into it. So can you tell us how you got into it and what you've used from any of that that has benefited you in your own life?
1: Yeah. So I can't remember who exactly turned me on to Abraham, but I think it was right after I was introduced to Byron Katie. And I remember so much of what they taught. I feel like I incorporated about six different teachers in order to create my own model. And Abraham for sure was one of them. And I remember when I was writing, it's like, I think it's been almost 10 years now that I wrote that book. But I remember writing about Abraham in that book and being a little bit concerned. as we all are, when we're like, they, she, he, <laughs> you know, a non-physical entity. Stay with me, people. Stay with me, corporate America. We're going we're gonna to get through this together. But I never really cared that much because I feel like even, it, it doesn't matter, you know, people would say, oh, it's so spooky, all of these, you know, this channeling and all, all of that stuff. And I never thought, so I'm like, who cares where any information comes from, as long as it helps you in your life? And so for me, I love that it's so spiritual and I love the way that it is communicated and I love Esther and I, you know, what is so great. Let's just talk about this for a second, how you can totally tell when she's channeling and not channeling.
0: Oh yeah. She's such a happy, go lucky person when she's not in it. And then she's such a different, sharp, crazy, intellectual, sassy.
1: Yeah. Her voice changes. I love it. I love it. So I started studying. Started studying law of attraction. Everything they said made so much sense to me. Because I did a lot of work with weight, weight is very tied into our emotional life and repressing emotion and and using food as a way to buffer emotion. So the way that they talk about emotion and tuning into emotion and kind of moving up the emotional ladder, all of those types of tools, the way that they spoke about them, I think had the most impact on me. And that's where I really started tuning in and paying attention. And, you know, I was on their subscription where I would get their um, CDs kind of back in the day. I think it was before we could even download them. Now everyone's on YouTube hours and hours and
0: hours and hours on YouTube.
1: Oh, that's so great. And just listening to them over and over and over again. And I highly recommend everybody do that because I just think being in contact with that energy and having it filter into your brain for hours at a time, I know for sure profoundly changed my brain and, and changed me and how I approach the world. Because everything they talk about is about how life, is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to have a good time. We're supposed to enjoy it. I think that I he- I must've heard that a thousand times. And I do think that, you know, you hear something enough times and, and they really do live it and believe it, Jerry and Esther. And so I think those were the most impactful things. And, and just learning the law of attraction. I didn't know about the law of attraction and how vibration attracted. I had no idea about any of that. So I think that was another huge impact in my life. And the way that we set up the model and the way that I coach people really helps them understand that, you know, everything you do in your life is fueled by emotion and, by, and emotion is vibration. And so I think helping people, I think I, I think they really helped me um, find the words to clarify that as well. So What about you? Tell me why you're so turned on to them.
0: Well, I found out about them in April last year, which like you said, you're like, how did you just get into this now? Like, why is this so new for you? I think I maybe heard their name one or two other times in my life before, but I thought it was a person and a man and, you know, everything it's not and never got into it until my friend Katie Dalebout of the Wellness Wonderland podcast at lunch just said, I like to listen to it on YouTube while I'm working sometimes. So it was just a small little comment. It wasn't like hitting me over the head and I was just went home and, and looked it up on YouTube. And then I immediately resonated because I've been talking and communicating with my intuition for seven years. And I ask a question and I get an answer. And I knew when I was watching her do this, I was like, oh, she's just able to access what I'm hearing from within my own intuition at a crazy level. And actually, because of listening to Abraham for as long as I have now, I've also started opening up to the idea that I could do this in a greater way than just the Q&A format I've been doing for seven years. So I'm actually now learning to really open up and just receive pages of content and answers and actually also playing with doing this for other people. So people will ask me questions and I'll just do the same thing I do with myself, which is when I hear an answer from my own question, I'll respond, but instead the other person's asking me the question and I'll respond in the same way that I do when I ask the question. So I'm starting to kind of dip my baby toe into this. I wasn't going to share this on the show, but because I'm talking to you, I don't feel like I'm sharing this officially. I was really, really, really lonely this weekend in Melbourne. And I have moments where I'm lonely and moments where I'm not on this trip, and like moments where I'm in alignment about being single and moments where I'm not. And this was just a a really strong phase of loneliness and out of alignmentness. And I had spoken with this person who's kind of a psychic clairvoyant. And she was saying that the spirit guides were telling her to tell me that when I feel lonely, I should ask for my spirit guides and teachers or something like that and and just that i'm not alone that my intuition will keep me company and at the time she said it i wasn't feeling lonely so i was like well that's nice i don't need it but watch a week later here i am at this really lonely place and i go okay she didn't say talk to your intuition she said spirit guides and teachers and abraham is esther's guide so out of the blue Asked my intuition if I had a spirit guide or teacher. And I heard yes. And then I said, well, what's their name? And it was named Joe. And I was like, why is the name Joe? Joe is like, he's apparently like 56. And I was like, why is he 56? Wouldn't he be ageless? But I just imagined Joe as like this American in a bowling shirt that may be semi overweight. I'm like, what is this? Is my, I mean, Rumpha, Abraham, all these amazing names. And I get Joe. Of course, it's named Joe. I love it. And I was like, what? And so then I was like, wait, how do I know I didn't just make that up? And then I heard because you wouldn't have picked that name, would you? <laughs>
1: It's like, no. Oh, my gosh. That is so fantastic. I love, love, love that.
0: I was like, why isn't this a female? I was really excited. I was like, if I'm going to have a spirit guide, all of these women have spirit guides that are male names. Why can't I get like Evelyn or Lily or something like that? Instead, I got Joe. So there you go. I wasn't going to share that story anytime soon. I love it. So have you talked to Joe? Not really. I just got his name, and then I I got scared. I don't know. It feels a little weird to me to have like a personality.
1: It's so weird. Martha Beck is very much in tune with her spirit guides, and she would call me and tell me what her spirit guides would say. And I would always say to her, like, I'm pretty sure my spirit guides are going to swear a lot more than your spirit guides. <laughs> but as you we're talking, I thought about one of the most important things that I learned from Abraham that I think has been so life changing for me. And this may be general knowledge for most people, but the way that they explained it to me was so profound. I want to make sure I share it with you the way that they talk about death. And there's two things that they talked about death and I've lost a brother and I've lost my dad. And first of all, they say, what is it like when you die? And they said, all you hear is laughter. That was one of their quotes. And I was just like, okay, that sounds amazing right? Normally don't think about it that way. But one of the things that they said, the way that they describe it is that you have, you know, you're mostly non-physical. There's only a very small part of you that is in this physical realm, right? And so most of you is non-physical and in a different realm. And basically when you die or when someone else dies, the bigger part of you and the bigger part of them are still together, because the bigger part of us aren't in the physical realm. So the thought that the bigger part of me is connected and with my dad and with my brother, and that if I were to die, that I would still be connected to my kids and my son and my husband has been such a profound change in perspective in the way that I think about death and dying. Because, you know, I think it's easy for us to think in kind of in a small way that like, oh, when we die, then our spirit leaves this planet and then it's somehow separated, which I know it doesn't make sense if you study anything spiritual, but I had never thought about it in a way like the larger part of me would still be connected. So huge props to Abraham for giving me that gift.
0: It's funny you say the word gift and death because I had this because like you, the Abraham perception of death just opened me up. And just the more I've gotten into this woo-woo land, the idea of the rebirth or multiple lives has become something that I become more open to considering before I just had no connection to that as my life had never brought me any connection to that. Have you read The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukav?
1: Yes, long time ago. So
0: that book as well really reinforces this idea that we're here multiple times to learn lessons and those sorts of... er. Well, it's funny because they say learn lessons, I think, or basically return back to love in all these different forms. I've started to realize if it's really this non-physical is that great, then it's a gift to die. Not that we want to go kill ourselves now because we want that gift, but that transition is actually a positive instead of what when we're on this plane and like the rational world exclusively, and we think there's nothing left. Then we think it's kind of this terrible thing. But what if death is actually a gift because you're reemerging into the super positive space and it's not like you're never going to have a chance to do
1: this again. Right. And I think for me, I think a lot of times we associate death was separation. And I'd always felt like that's what it was. Right. And meaning a separation from loved ones from each other when somebody dies. But the idea that, no, we're just not aware that we're still together in our brain, you know, our physical brain, but we really already, I don't has just been the most comforting, wonderful thing to think about. It's really taken away any kind of fear that I have of death. And I think that, you know, we're all going to die in case your listeners have, in case you haven't told them yet. <laughs> You know, like we don't like think about that. I think we like spend so much time trying to survive our death. But like when we're not afraid of it, I really feel like that opens up to live in it in a really different way. I feel like they really gave me that gift, too. I mean, everything they they taught me but that was a big one that I still talk quite a lot about with my students.
0: You know, the first thing I learned about law of attraction besides the secret, which I didn't resonate very strongly with was actually from you when you came on the show the second time, you said, let's talk about how to feel better because everything anyone wants is so they feel better in the having of it. They think they'll feel better. And I didn't realize you were speaking to a classic teaching of Abraham at the time. I'd never heard that. That was all eye-opening for me. I was like, wow, that's so brilliant. I've never thought about it that way. Do you want to go into that and explain a little more what that means?
1: Yeah. So it's so funny. I have to say this because I think it's so hilarious. I get a lot of people that email me and say, hey, I can tell that you've been influenced by this person or you've been influenced by that person. And I've never even heard of these people before. Right. So then I go and I look them up and I, I'm sure that they've ripped me off, except that, of course, all of their stuff was done, you know, 50, 100 years ago. <laughs> Right. So what I think is so amazing and what I love about all of the teaching is that there's universal law. Right. And we all discover it in a different way and say it in a different way. So I think that there's so much crossover between Byron Katie. Do you do any Byron Katie stuff?
0: She's actually been on the show. Oh, she has. Oh, good. She's amazing.
1: I just feel like there's so much crossover, but it's all just taught in a different way that can be received in a different way. And so I think one of the reasons why The Secret didn't resonate with a lot of people, and you know, Abraham was in that original version.
0: Yeah, I've shared this with everyone. So yeah, they've heard the difference. I watched it with Abraham in it recently because someone sent me the link. It, It was a little better, but I still didn't like it as much, even with Abraham in it.
1: I agree. But I think so many people didn't like The Secret because it's just so hard to learn and really understand the law of attraction in an hour, I think, you know, to really like integrate it into your life. This whole idea that the way that we experience life, if you think about it, there's only two ways that we can really truly experience being alive. And that's through sensation and emotion. So sensation is our direct experience with the world. That's like when we touch something, when we feel air on our skin, when we touch another person, when we feel hungry, when we feel cold, when we feel hot, right? All of that comes from our body and the direct experience of that. Everything else is experienced pretty much in a spiritual or indirect way. And what I mean by that is most of what we process through our day-to-day life is processed through the filter of our brain. So like the example I like to use is like you go up to a tree and you either experience the tree by touching it and feeling it in a in a physical way, feeling the energy of the tree. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you have a, a, a sensation experience of it, energy experience of it, or you experience a tree by thinking about it. The concept of the tree. Right. So you're thinking about the tree. And this is very true with people too, right? There is my experience of you, And mostly my experience of you are my thoughts about you, right? So if I have, which I do, wonderful, amazing thoughts about you, I'm going to feel great about you. And if I have terrible, awful thoughts about you, my experience of you will be negative, right? So all of our emotions that we have as as an indirect experience as a human being are created in our mind. So we don't know that. We don't understand that. What we think is we're going to go achieve something. We're going to go get some more money. We're going to go meet somebody. Right. We're going to go meet a man. We're going to go meet a new friend. We're going to go do that. And then once I meet them, then I will have an experience that will change how I experience the world. But none of that is true. The only thing that ever changes that makes us think we have a better life is our emotions, right? You might want a relationship. So what you think when you have a relationship, you're going to tell me why you want a relationship.
0: Well, okay, so I, yeah, I've done this work, right? So I want to feel connected. I want to feel the fun of co-creating together. I want to feel the ease and joy that comes with having the similar desires to explore the world in ways that are new and fun for both of us. It's fun to have this Companionship, honestly, too, the company to do things together and to share in those experiences with another person.
1: So, basically, let's just make it really specific. You think if you travel with someone, your experience of traveling will be different. Yeah.
0: My ego does. My intuition
1: doesn't. But yes, my ego has that. Right. So, the ego is just your brain thinking it's right. <laughs> yeah. That's how I like to describe the ego. So basically, as humans, it's very normal for us to think that, right? We're going to if I'm traveling with someone, it's gonna be so much more fun. I'll have more company. I'll have someone to talk to. But really, we'll just feel different when we're with someone. Obviously, the companionship and the touching and all of that is different than just your mind thinking about it. Yeah, just Joe in my head talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Just Joe. Who needs a man when you have Joe? But the thing that's really interesting about emotion is that, you know, we can create it regardless of what's happening in our circumstance. And so I think what Abraham teaches and what's so amazing is that we are not just at the effect of our circumstances, but we are actually the cause. And when I really wrapped my mind around how we literally co-create our reality by being the cause of our life and not just the effect. Now, a lot of people think that they're just the effect of their life, right? So they think that just you know, I am happy because I have this man in my life or I'm happy because I have this money, which none of that is true. The reason why we're happy is because of the way we think about the money or think about the person in our life. And so I think that with Abraham understanding that we can, and, and this was the problem with the secret, right? So they just basically said, put some stuff on a vision board and you'll attract it and be happy. And that is true, but I just don't feel like people understood what it means to be the cause, what it means to be the co-creator by creating that emotion first instead of after. So in your example, the way that I think a lot of people have a hard time is they think, okay, I'm going to meet the man and then I'm going to feel connected. Then I'm going to feel love.
0: I call it thirstiness. That's actually how I explain it. Because I think that Abraham tries to teach it, but I don't think people catch it. So as I'm trying to kind of clarify in what I'm sharing, I always say, if you feel thirsty for the thing, you know you're not at the vibrational stance of being at that level. So you have to feel that satiation of that experience first before the thing is a match for you.
1: Right. And another way of saying it is like you have to be it. You have to be the person that you think you'll be. When you're in that situation. And here's why, because right now you are, and this is the way Abraham describes it, right? You are in the absence of it. That's what you're experiencing is the absence of it. And so people will say to me all the time, and I'll be curious, what do you tell your students about this? But people will say, how do you align with something you don't yet have? How do you believe something you don't yet believe? How do you feel something you are not yet that? How do you answer that?
0: I actually did an episode recently talking about the partnership thing and how I've been doing that. So, when I'm in alignment, like, so it's all about when I'm in alignment dot, 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 right? So the alignments first, but getting into that alignment, I focus on being in love in the world. So I don't need one specific partner. A, I've got, like we said, intuition spirits guides named Joe or intuition that I get to talk to all day long that love me unconditionally and have that company for me. Also, when I said something as simple as crossing the street, when there is another person or an Uber driver, any of these types of moments where I would be driving with a partner, I'd be walking across the street with a partner, or I am just having fun. Like right now I'm in Queenstown, New Zealand. I thought I would do this as a honeymoon experience with my partner instead of here with my friend Amanda, and we're having a great time. So I'm in love in the world. So I'm finding the experiences of companionship, love, care, and all of those things. And all of these other forms now and appreciating them so that I see that I'm not lacking company. I'm not lacking the connection. I'm not lacking adventure and travel companionship because I have them in all of these other forms right now as well.
1: Yeah. And I think that that is amazing. And I think that there are some times when people don't feel like they have access to someone like Amanda or Joe, right? Maybe there is someone that's listening that feels like, well, that's easy for you to say just because you have Amanda and you you have Joe, right? But what happens when you don't? So.
0: Well, they have Joe too, I would say. They might not have Joe. They might have Tony or someone else, but I couldn't believe it. Joe is my podcast producer. Please don't let my spirit
1: guide's name be Tony. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Tony and Joe are actually on my team. And so when I heard Joe, it's like, I dated a Joe. I have a podcast producer named Joe. Why is Joe
1: the name? I need something that's totally different than all humans I've ever met. But no. Oh no, I love that it's Joe. It's so perfect. Here's one of the things that I, I help my students do. Um, I do a lot more thought work than most law of attraction work does. But I think that it complements it so beautifully. So I'll offer it here is... When you think about this person that you want to be with, when you think about being in relationship and you tune into how you're feeling and what you're feeling right now is the lack of it, right? You're feeling thirsty. So you know that you're not in alignment. So it's probably not going to show up. And I always say, how do you know if you truly believe something? And people are like, I don't know. And I'll say, well, if you truly believe it, then it's there.
0: Actually, no, I would disagree. I would disagree there.
1: Okay. Tell me. Let's disagree.
0: Well, it's not disagreeing. I think you're right. It's there. It's there. Also, if it's not physically showing up yet, you're not sad that it's not there yet. So have you ever heard Abraham talk about the woman that said, I think you want me to get so good at imagining this guy that it doesn't matter if my lover ever comes. And Abraham goes, that's exactly right, because the minute you don't care, that's when he has to come. But in between, the in between they go, if, if he's not going to come for a year, how do you feel about the fact that he's not going to come for a year? If you're totally fine about the fact that he's going to come in a year, that's when you're in that frequency and it won't matter if it does take take a year. But if it's not okay that it's going to take a year, then you know you're not in the frequency of it.
1: I don't understand what you're disagreeing with me on.
0: Well, it sounded like you were saying that if you're in alignment, you'll know because you have the physical manifestation right now. And I was going to say, no, you don't have to have that yet. No, that's not what I said.
1: But it's a really good distinction. So I'm glad that you said that. I work with a lot of clients that are trying to make money in their coaching businesses. Right. So a lot of my students are trying to build businesses. And what happens is, is when you believe something 100%, like when you are completely aligned with that, this is the thing that will happen there. I mean, there may not be the actual physical manifestation in terms of the cash of it, but you are it. So, here's the thing. Like if you think about like right now, like the way that you described it is you're like, I'm not in complete alignment with my man yet. Right. Well, actually, no, now I'm doing a lot better. Oh, you're not thirsty anymore is what you're saying. No, no. It was just that weekend that was really hard. Here's kind of how I like to describe it. So like, for example, if I have a client who or a student that's trying to build a business, the way that I like to describe it is like once you're fully in alignment, it's almost like you've ordered something from Amazon and you know, it's on its way. It may not, Actually, be at your house yet? But it might as well be, right? It's kind of like if you plan a trip to Hawaii and you've already bought the tickets, you're 100% committed to the belief of you going there. Now, you aren't there yet. You haven't physically manifested it, but you might as well be because not only you know that you're going on the trip, but you're already imagining it and you're already being as if you're going to be on that trip. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're like you're visualizing yourself on the plane. You're visualizing yourself there. You totally believe it. It's as good as done. And so the question that I get that I'm I'm going back to, because I know that a lot of people have this question is, how do you believe that you're going to go to Hawaii? How do you believe that you're going to meet a guy that's physical and his name is not going to be Joe, <laughs> right? How do I know that I'm going to manifest these things that I want to manifest in my life if I don't yet quite believe that I'm going to do that? And my way of getting in alignment, I think might be different than yours. So it might be really interesting for us to talk about it because I like to do it cognitively and, and align my thinking in a way that creates that feeling for me. Is that what you do or you do something different?
0: Well, yeah, so what do you do to think? What thoughts do you think? I'm sure everyone's asking, Brooke, what are you thinking?
1: So basically what happens is you say, okay, I believe that I'm going to make, you know, for a lot of my students, it's six figures in a coaching business. I mean, the idea of being able to do something they love for a living and serve the world and also, you know, be financially abundant while they're doing it is like the huge dream of theirs. And so what I help them do is understand the only thing preventing you. I mean, how do you, how much do you love that Abraham says this? It says easy to manifest a million dollars or a button, I'm like a button. I love it, love it, love it, right? If you think about this idea, why don't we believe it's easy to manifest a million dollars? Why do we think it's easier to manifest a button? What are all the thoughts preventing us from believing that we can manifest a million dollars? Now, there's a lot of people that think manifesting a million dollars is easy, You know, these are humans just like us that have ideas about it. So here's where people get into trouble. And this is what I spend a lot of time working on. Immediately, if I say to someone, "Okay, you want to make a million dollars, they immediately want to go to how? Yeah, I will believe that I can make a million dollars as long as you tell me how to do that. And then as soon as I know how to do it, then I'll be able to believe in it. Well, what happens is uh, we can come up with a plan on how you're going to make, let's say $100,000. We can come up with a plan on how you're going to make $100,000 and you can believe that until the minute that plan falls apart, which it most surely will. And this is where I think the secret was trying to teach you, hey, you know, create a vision board and believe in it before you know the how. You don't have to get caught up in the how. And in fact, the how will get you out of alignment and the how will prevent you from believing that you can have it. And here's the other thing that people don't realize. When you think about how you create emotion, from my perspective, the way that we create emotion is by what we think about, what we focus on, right? So most of what we are in the habit of focusing on comes from our past. And so all of those thoughts are all our habitual thoughts that we have that we're just going to keep thinking and rethinking. And that's why we pretty much stay in the same spot. But when we start thinking about our future, which is all about Abraham, right, manifesting and thinking about things we don't yet have, thinking about that button, thinking about that hundred thousand that we don't yet have, that's just a clean slate. And we don't know how to think thoughts that we don't know how to think yet. So what we immediately want to do is have someone tell us how, so we know what thoughts to think, or we go to our past, which is a horrible idea, and try and find thoughts from our past to think. What we need to learn is the skill of how to think and believe something we don't yet think and believe. And the way that I do that is you go to the place where you already have it, which is very different from thinking about getting it, right? So if I think about getting $100,000 or if I think about finding a mate, I'm still separating myself from it. When I think about having it, when I think about being the person that has it, that really changes how I show up. And I'll give you an example. I had a student who said to me, I'm thinking about quitting my job. And I want to just go full time into my coaching business. But I just keep thinking about whether I should do that or not. I keep thinking how much money I'm making in the job. And I said, well, if you want to be fully committed to being in your new business and being a life coach in your new business, you're going to have to think about it very differently. I said, I used to work at Hewlett Packard. How do you think that I currently think about Hewlett Packard? And she was like, you probably never think about Hewlett Packard, (laughs) right? And I said, yes. I said, "So, so that's the difference. You right now are still thinking about this job that you think is giving you all this security and you think it's important for you to think about it. But if you were fully aligned with your new job, you wouldn't even be thinking about that old job. That's a difference. It's not like you're dreaming about it in a really positive way. And that's alignment. That's not what alignment is mentally, cognitively, right? Cognitively is you are literally being that person that already has that. You are in your aligned mind. Now people will say, well, you don't want to go in the future because then you're not in the present moment. And what I explained to them is that it's impossible to go into the future. (laughs) You always are in the present moment. But when you're thinking about your future, you want to be thinking about your future in the present tense as if you're already being that. That way you can generate the emotion. So if I'm thinking about, oh, that'll be so great when I make $100,000, I'm still separating myself from it. When I think about being the person that's making the $100,000, then I'm aligned with it.
0: And just for everyone listening, you are going into the Abraham and that's the point of view that we're sharing this from, but I've been going into the quantum mechanics of this as well. It works. So this is like the double slit experiment is a very famous experiment. You'll see tons of YouTube videos. Just Google it if you want. So the observer, the person watching the experiment has a direct effect on the outcome of the experiment. And these are all wave potentials. They're unlimited wave potentials of reality. And when the observer and the wave potential of reality of these particles interact, there is a probability spectrum. There's this striping that happens on the back wall of the double sit experiment. You can go watch this. But what I'm realizing is the waves, there are two waves going out and when the waves meet at the crest, that is when a particle could happen. This is so crazy. I'm not going to try to get too far into this. But let me just say, if two things, if you have the belief and you have the frequency, that's what they're basically, I believe, matching up with. So they always say the minute you want something, it has been done. You just have to line up with it. Okay. the minute you visualize it, there's one wave out there that is your desire for it. And it's there. It's manifested. What you need to do is then be the vibrational match to it, which is the second wave. Now, when you say castle or button, that's a really great example. So you have this desire for the button. You have no resistance canceling it out because you don't think that they're very rare. That's what they always say is the reason you think buttons are easier than million dollar or castles is because you see more buttons in the world. So you don't have any resistance around that. You think that's a plentiful thing. Even though these are wave potentials, it's still waves. It's all the same. The scale doesn't matter. It's the wave potentials of all of these potential realities that is equal. It doesn't actually have a scale. It's just your own cancellation with your thoughts to say, but that'll never Never happen or but I'm not there yet or the thirstiness feelings all cancel out the vibrational match so what happens when the striping effect this is so hard to explain on a show I'll do another episode guys about this in more detail But let me just say, the particles are created when two waves hit together at a peak. If there is a peak and a valley of two different waves hitting each other, it cancels it out. It's called an interference pattern. Nothing happens. So when they say, you want something, but you butt it out, you say the butt that cancels it out, but that'll never happen to me, or but that's not realistic right now, or but I need to make money, all of those are the troughs, the other wave, not meeting the peak of the potential reality. So literally, from a quantum mechanical level, you could, now are physicists making these connections? Not necessarily, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to share with you guys in pencil as openly as I possibly can about these crazy theories that to me intuitively make so much sense. Maybe it won't for you, but it's crazy when you look at this stuff. Did any of that make sense for you, Brooke?
1: Since this isn't something you've been studying. Yeah, I love, love, love it when people describe that to me. Because here's the thing, and and I I, I love like studying all that stuff. Sometimes it I, it like eludes me, but here's the way that I want to describe it to anyone who's listening who's who you lost there I think people are like okay I don't understand this so I'm not going to do it because here's what's important the way that I describe it is like if you're getting a massage the person giving you the massage like understands all your muscles and what the names of all of them are and how they all intersect and everything and you don't have to know any of that you just get to lay there and get a massage (laughs) So understanding like what's happening underneath has always, I've always been obsessed. I always ask why I want to know what, what things are happening, but I want to say that I don't think you have to understand all of that to know this. And this is, I just recently had an experience of this that I'll share that I think will be a practical application for a lot of people is if you identify with a version of yourself that you want in your life, which by the way if you're tuned in that's coming from your intuition it's not just desire and something that you want is not just something you know arbitrary it's important and it's i think as martha beck says is is the gps of your life right your your desires and your wants will lead you towards the exact life that you will be the most ecstatic living. And I really do believe that. But here's the thing. Like if you think about yourself making a hundred thousand dollars and you think, okay, I want to line myself up with that, but oh my gosh, I know that I have butts. Oh no, I'm blocking it. I'm blocking it. I'm blocking it. (laughs) Right. And so then you're thinking about, oh my God, I'm not in alignment. So I'm blocking it. But here's another way to think about it is if I were a person that was a life coach. And I'm just using that because that's my main example. But if I were a person that was a life coach making a hundred thousand dollars, how would I make this decision? What would I decide here? And I want to say this for anyone who feels like they are stuck. Cause we had talked about this before we started recording. We talked about that. A lot of our clients feel like they're stuck, like they're not moving forward and they don't understand why. And I will say one of the there's two main reasons I see with clients. One of them is that they're indulging in confusion. Confusion is never necessary. And I think it's always a lie, right? Because I think we always have our own answers and we block them by telling ourselves that we don't know. As soon as you say, I don't know, you block yourself from your own wisdom. But here's what I think. If you are willing to make a decision, if you are willing to, say yes to something and notice something else, you will never be stuck because you can't make decisions and move forward with momentum and be stuck at the same time. It's the same with overwhelm. You can't be taking a lot of action and be overwhelmed at the same time. Now you can switch in between those two quite rapidly. <laughs> I've been known to do that. <laughs> it, you can't be stuck and overwhelm and be taking action. So the point that I'm making about, you know, so many of us sit in indecision, Because we think it's protective. We think if we don't make a decision, then we can't fail. But what I want to say is if you allow yourself to make a decision, you will always be moving forward. And there is no such thing as a wrong decision. There's learning decisions, but there's no such thing as a wrong decision. You'll keep moving forward. And any of you who feel like you don't know what to do, it is because you're not aligning with the version of yourself that you want to be. When you align with the version of yourself that you want to be, all you have to do is if I were already there, what would I choose to do right now? And that, I swear to God, has sped up my life more than anything I've ever done in my life because I look at, okay, this is where I want to be. And then all of a sudden decisions become very clear because when you're identifying with the better, best version of yourself, you do not make decisions out of fear. You make decisions out of abundance and that's how you create abundance.
0: Yes. And one of the things was interesting when I taught manifestation in the last module of Flow With Intention was in the coaching call, a lot of people had some shiny penny stuff come up some ego wanting some weight loss for more like vanity than necessarily like you know morbidly obese going to die tomorrow type of situations and i was talking with them about this and i had to go through my own eating journey and i think for me it was only when i let go of the desire of the outcome of the thinner body and decided to really align with the feeling i thought I would feel once I had that thinner body, which was peace and I made decisions based on peace, that the body corrected itself and naturally went to where I wanted it to be all along without the trying. So what's interesting sometimes I think for people is that it's sometimes just let go of the focus on the thin body or all of these things that people say to sit there and fixate on. I think sometimes if you just straight go for the feeling, the other manifestation of the money or the other things, you don't even have to think about those things. And often it's easier to not think about those things and only go for the feeling in order to A, feel better immediately, but also to actually get them.
1: Would you say that's true? Yeah, I totally agree. And people will ask us how to do that. And the way that you do that is you, how would you act if you were already in that body you want? So instead of thinking about, I want to lose 10 pounds because I want to fit into a smaller size gene. See, this is what's crazy when you think, okay, I'm 10 pounds overweight. And even if it is just for vanity reasons, right? I'm, I, I'm all outlined with you wanting to do that. <laughs> it's fine with me, but here's the thing. Like you, you feel like you're 10 pounds overweight. What you do when you think you're 10 pounds overweight is you overeat. Yes. Isn't that crazy? So it's like when you're thinking, oh, I'm overweight, then you overeat. But when you think I'm already at my goal weight, I'm already where I want to be. I'm already thin. I'm from that place, that's how you create that feeling that you're wanting anyway. And that's exactly why you don't overeat. It's so counterintuitive. And I think that is a skill to be able to be the person that you want to be before you've manifested the result. It's the only way it's possible, right?
0: Yeah. I think less about food and my body the more aligned I am and the body is more in the form that I would have liked it to be in the first place. It's only when I'm out of it that I'm thinking about it and then thinking about food because I'm thinking about the body. It's when I'm thinking about it that it gets messed up when I'm not thinking about it. That's when it flows effortlessly.
1: But let's slow that down. I mean, this is so key for people to understand because I think people would say to you, well, you don't think about it anymore because you're already in the body you want to be in. That is not the case, you guys. That is not the situation. The reason why she's not thinking about it is not because she's already in the body she wants to be in the reason she's in the body she wants to be in is because she's not thinking about it.
0: Yes. And for me, I had to go and you say, what do you think about instead? For me, it was peace. What I wanted when I was not in that place was like, why do I want this so much? Nine years of my life under and overweight, I wanted peace. And I realized when I was underweight, I was afraid of gaining weight. And when I was overweight, I was afraid I was never going to lose the weight. And I was like, all of this is not peaceful. Even no matter what the weight was on a 40 pound scale of like swing, it was never peaceful. And I was like, like the ego sucks at this. And so I said, thank you very much for your trying to help. Like it would sit there going, Jess, it would tell me when I would gain a few pounds as I was going for peace, it would go, all right, you wanna do that peace thing, you do that, but here's a few more pounds. Let me just help you lose these three and then go back to your own thing. Like it would really try to like rationalize with me on these things and I would just go, no, you never brought me peace. Like I literally have this internal dialogue with the ego about these things. And that was really what helped me step away from the desires of the ego to control my eating.
1: Well, and I think the thing is people feel like that's so interesting with the weight thing, right? Because people feel like because they want to, you know, be 10 pounds lighter that it that it is an ego desire. And I do think that's true in some cases, depending on what the reason is, ultimately, that you think you're going to do in that thinner body. But I work with a lot of women who just want to stop overeating. Right. And that's why they have that extra weight. And it, it's such turmoil to be 10 pounds overweight because it's a reflection of that overeating, which is really just a, a, an attempt to escape from your own body. Right. Because the body contains all the emotions. And if you don't know how to process and and be present with your emotions, the, being able to overeat is an effective escape from that
0: for like four seconds. I mean, I've done that in a lot. <laughs> it's not very long. And then you feel terrible afterwards.
1: But I think that because it's it's what we've been trained to do and we found that, you know, we can escape that way, then we use that as a reason to beat ourselves up and make the whole thing just a completely vicious cycle against ourselves, right? And so I think that for so many people, they just don't believe that it's possible that they can lose weight. And so they think the alternative, and I think this is actually so important for people to know, they think the alternative is giving up. I'm just going to accept that I will be overweight. And I have to learn how to love myself overweight. And what I think we're saying, and I want to make sure everybody hears, is we're not saying that. What we're saying is be the person that you think you would be if you were in that body that you think will bring you peace. Because as soon as you do that, you will realize, because I've had many people lose weight that are not at peace. Trust me. Yeah, I had
0: lost weight successfully without peace as well, but I hated it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're just
1: constantly in a struggle. So you have to be the person that you think you'll be right, which is really feel the way you think that you'll feel show up the way that you think that you would show up if you were in that body. And that is how you create it. That is alignment, right? Being in that space already. It's a challenging concept,
0: I honestly, for me, I remember my mom saying, well, Jess, if you're not gonna try, you're not gonna like try to lose weight or whatever, then what if you just get heavier? Because I just said, I'm sick of this. I'm gonna eat what my intuition tells me to eat until satisfied. I want peace, that's it done. And she goes, well, what if you do that? What if you get heavier? And I was like, you know what? I am okay with that. I know I want peace more than I want that body because the peace is what I'm wanting all along. And I didn't know Abraham. I know none of this. I just knew I wanted peace. And because of that, I aligned with that ultimate feeling I wanted from the body, but without the objective of getting that body, the body became the body I had. So it's kind of like, I do think that I would like to stress too, you don't have to even think about that end result to get there. Your body
1: will get to its natural set point if you follow intuitive eating. I don't know. I think that's true for some people. I think for other people, they're so out of touch. I mean, what intuitive eating means for so many people, because they've always used food against themselves, right? So I think a lot of people, I mean, let's put it this way. If you don't know how to eat intuitively, which a lot of people don't
0: I had to teach myself. I mean, I didn't know how to do that. That wasn't a book back when I did this. I had to figure that out for myself. I had to simply pay attention to my body for the first time instead of my brain and its signals of hunger was coming from my stomach, not my brain.
1: Yeah. And then the only other thing I would add to that, if, especially I don't know how many people you have that want to lose weight. The only thing that can really interfere with that is with, you know, really tuning into our hunger and really tuning into our fullness is and this is a whole nother Oprah, <laughs> this is a whole nother lively show, right? <laughs> but it's like the way that, you know, our food is, is just it. the way that it can, you know, affect our hormones and affect the natural progression of how your body gets hungry and full is the only other thing that can interfere with that. And so many of us are so jacked up with so many different foods because we're using sugar and flour and processed food to try and cope with our emotions. And, and I, I think that there's so much to be said. I mean, just to come back to the Abraham thing is just to be able to tune into your emotion to see if you're in and out of alignment. And I will tell you nothing makes that harder than overeating and eating food that, disconnects you from your body because you can't be tuning into your vibration if you're so full of foods that knock you out of any kind of connection with understanding that vibration. Have you noticed that?
0: Yes. Ah, oh, what a brilliant, brilliant thing. What you're saying, okay, let me reflect back to you what I disconnected as you were saying that. So you were just saying when you eat all these, I have goosebumps, when you eat all of these foods, it becomes very difficult for you to feel. And Abraham is teaching you to notice your feelings as a guide and indication of how aligned you are with your intuition or not. So when you're numbing out your feelings, you are numbing out your GPS system to tell you how to get to where you wanna go. Yeah. Anything you could do. That's not even just food. It could be Netflix, that could be
1: shopping. Anything that numbs you out is numbing you out from your guidance system. 100%. And here's the thing most of us don't know how to deal with what I would call negative emotion right you know the human experience includes a lot of negative emotion and the, and we try and deal with it because we think that something's gone terribly wrong when we're in negative emotion but really it's such important information right it's like it's basically <laughs> as abraham would say return to the highlighted route return to the highlighted route and we're not hearing that we're too busy buffering that out. I call any kind of escape from our emotion buffering. So we could be on the wrong road going down the, you know, the complete wrong direction. And we're not going to hear that return to the highlighted route because we're buffering it out. And that's why tuning in is so important. And, you know, I just quit drinking. I don't think I, I don't know if I told you this, but I quit drinking alcohol altogether because it did the exact same thing as completely blocking me from any kind of guidance that I was having so important, right? To be able to hear hear that guidance.
0: Actually, here's an interesting example of what you're saying about the highlighted wrap because people may not truly get that. So when you have negative emotion, what do you do about it? Well, here's something. I recently on a flight, I was kind of out of alignment a little that morning. So that morning I checked my phone before meditation and I... So, I looked at Instagram, I think. And then I also was not looking forward to packing after staying six weeks in Sydney. I was going to Melbourne and I was not looking forward to the packing of all my stuff. I've kind of been living out of this carry on suitcase for 10 months and I'm just sick of being so minimalist. Like, yes, I like having less stuff, but I was like, you know what? Sometimes I don't want to give away things all the time when I get something new or whatever. So, As I was flying that night, I was thinking, all right, this got me out of alignment. This negative emotion was here to show me something. If I'm truly to live this Abraham stuff, that negative emotion, the minute you know what you don't want, you know what you do want, and the greater part of you, the non-physical part of you, has already gotten up with what you do want. So then I thought, okay, I'm feeling negative because of those two things are probably what started this day going off in a direction that wasn't as aligned as I wanted. So then I said, all right, if that's true, where is the greater part of me around those subjects? And it was very clear at that point. The greater part of me was totally chilling in a happy, peaceful land around not checking anything before meditation. Like it just became crystal clear to me that until I have done something for myself, checking in with anyone else's external email or any type of content in the outer world is not where my inner being is at. It's not there. The alignment is in me first, me looking inward, me reflecting first. So that was crystal clear. The other one was, you know what? The greater part of me wants a bigger suitcase. And if I didn't have to worry about packing all my stuff into this tiny little suitcase, I wouldn't have had nearly the resistance to going on to next leg of the journey. So you know what? I bought a bigger suitcase. I'm going to send my carry-on to my friend and I'm going to live with a full-size suitcase. I'm checking the little one anyways. It's only between moving between places that I even need to worry about this. So you know what? That's where my inner being was. And the minute I made those two shifts, my whole outlook changed. I was able to finally live
1: at the frequency of where my inner being was
0: on the physical world. That's
1: exactly what I've been trying to say. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's like when you, and whether you say it's where I, how would I make this decision if I was already where I want to be? What is the bigger part of me? What is the part of me that isn't scared, afraid, worried, overwhelmed? How would that version of me handle that? It? it just makes your life So much easier, and you access wisdom like you're like, oh, what if I just got a bigger suitcase? And then you're like, I am a genius. (laughs) My, you know what it was? It was ego identity.
0: My ego, not me. My ego loved saying I had a carry-on suitcase. For me to then take the duffel bag and the carry-on and combine them into just a full-size suitcase. So yeah, it was like literally my identity shifting because I used to be the person that wore the carry-on suitcase, and here I am suffering with this carry-on suitcase, not looking forward to that at that point. It wasn't like I had that for very long, but at that point, my desires changed, and I just needed to keep up with that desire instead of fight it for some old identity that doesn't even matter. Who cares what people think about my suitcase? I'm living out of it. I want it to be bigger. End of story.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true because it's kind of like this idea of being willing to be open to a brand new identity. I think is really challenging for people. I think people want this. Is so interesting, right? So people want bigger things in their life. They want to be more enlightened. They want to make more money. Maybe they want to be able to travel more. Maybe they want to have love interest in their life, whatever that is. And they want to make sure that they're doing it all from uh, you know a really wholesome, peaceful, wonderful place. And what that will mean for most of us is the complete identity change, which I think people want to be pleasant. And I want to offer that it's usually not right. It's usually this kind of like, wait a minute. Like it's usually something that jolts us into, okay, I know this is what I don't want. Then we're able to embrace that new identity. I mean, the suitcase is such a perfect example of that, right? It's like, wait a minute, who am I? Am I someone that has a carry on? Or am I someone that has a large? I mean, it's like all the it's a million of those little subtle changes, I think that help us kind of step into that bigger part of ourselves, as you would say, I love it.
0: Okay, so here's a question. What do you do when you're out
1: of alignment to get back in? So for me, I approach it cognitively, so to me, what out of alignment means is that I'm not feeling the way I want to feel, right? I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel that would be in alignment with the result that I want to create. And so for me, I always, what am I thinking about right now? What what am I focused on? What am I thinking about? And it's usually some recycled version of you're not good enough. This is never going to work. Who do you think you are? Right. And I think a lot of people can relate to those thoughts. You're not going to be able to create all these wonderful things that you want to create. Because for me, I'm in a place right now where I just want to create impossible things. My kind of mission in my life is to be an example of what is possible. Like, and I love the idea of doing that with money because I just think money is so difficult for so many people. And I think money can be so easy. And I think it demonstrates the power of all of this work so beautifully. You know, I was telling people like when I tell people I'm a life coach, they're like, oh, that's adorable. You know, they think that it's this very like soft thing and and it is and it's wonderful and it's very spiritual and soft, but it's also pretty dang amazing too. what we can manifest and create in the world. And so I like to try and manifest impossible things that life coaches have no business, (laughs) according to society manifesting. And so for me, whenever I make a big goal for myself, set my sights high. I mean, kind of like you, you know, traveling around the world and and making decisions that may be not popular with regular society and just knowing that as soon as you make that decision, for me, what happens is a lot of negative thoughts come up that knock me right out of alignment. And I kind of feel like it's cleaning house. I feel like when I do that, it's kind of like pulling the, the couch away from the wall. And there's like a bunch of dirt underneath it. It's not like you get upset. It's not like you're like, what the heck is happening? You're like, of course there's dirt under there, right? Of course this is going to happen. This is part of the process. And my goal is to take a look at what I'm thinking and decide consciously and deliberately what I want to be thinking about and where I want to focus my brain so I can generate the emotion that will put me into alignment to where I want to go.
0: I love it. Okay, that's actually you touched on exactly where I wanted to go next, which is what money mindset shifts did you need to make along the way to create this for yourself?
1: Yeah, so good. So here's the thing that kind of is mind blowing is that money is a mental construct. Like people don't think about that. Like we just all got together and agreed, hey, this little green thing means something. Isn't that crazy? Like money in and of itself has no value. It's just like we all kind of shook on it. Yeah, I like to think about it. It's like we all kind of shook on the fact like, hey, let's agree that we'll like trade this around for, for stuff. And so we also agreed less obviously that money's hard to get. And we also kind of agreed that there's a certain reasonable amount of money that people should make. And we also kind of agreed that there's a certain amount of money that if you make more of this amount, then you are considered rich, then you're considered, you know, top 1% or whatever. And we also kind of agreed that a lot of rich people are greedy and don't care about people, right? So we have like all these agreements around money that most of us aren't even conscious of. Or stories. We can maybe call it stories. Yeah, stories. Totally, of course. And so most of my students that I've worked with have so many stories around money. They're so embedded. They're so deeply grooved from our childhood and the whole, you know, in our society that we don't even realize that they're just stories. We think that they're reality. Yeah, totally.
0: Like there's no borders in the world. Like when you look at the from the plane, there's no like, okay, maybe they're going to try to build a wall, but let's be real. Like that's still a story. That wall is a story.
1: There's no real definition. Wait, We've all kind of agreed that this line, this makes this ours, but it's not if we don't all agree, then it's not true, right? It's it. That's what's so fascinating. So when you think about money is just something we've all kind of agreed to. It's a story that we tell ourselves and we really genuinely can tell ourselves a different story. But first It's very difficult to tell ourselves a story about money if we don't understand what our stories already are because then we're in too much conflict, right? So you have to uncover all your stories about money. So when when you hear Abraham say, it's just as easy to get a button as it is a million dollars or a castle, what comes up for you immediately is your story about money. That's not true, right? Buttons are easy to get. Castles are difficult to get. Money is hard to get. There's no way I'll ever make a million dollars. There's no way I'll ever make a hundred thousand dollars. Why not? Like, what is your story that is preventing? So for me, I started doing this work just recently in really choosing to believe in the impossible. And I let myself use the word impossible because it keeps my brain happy enough that it'll let me go there. Can you go further? Yeah. Why impossible? So if I say to my brain, hey, let's make 15 million dollars. My brain's like, no. (laughs) But if I say to my brain, right, and I need my brain to focus, you know, it's like this whole idea of deliberate thinking. I need my brain to be deliberately thinking about things that will serve me. But if I say to my brain, hey, let's make 15 million dollars. That will be impossible. Let's try and do something impossible. Then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, can you do something impossible? Because and, and this is the way I convince my brain to accept it is that Everything that's ever been created in the world was at one point impossible. True. Everything that's ever been created manifested out of nothing started off as impossible. And so in my world, everything that I haven't already done, my brain is going to tell me that unless I can build on my past, my brain will tell me that it's impossible. Now, my brain is well intended. It just wants to keep me safe. I get it. It's, survi- it's based on survival. But I need to work with it in order to create a mindset that will allow my brain to settle on it for long enough that I can actually create it. And I will tell you, that is some powerful stuff. That is a powerful way to think about. Because even my clients that want to lose weight that have like 100 pounds to lose, if I allow them to accept that they believe right now that it's impossible, they'll spend more time thinking about it versus just having the brain go, nope, nope. Don't even go there. It's never going to happen. By saying it's impossible, what's happening? Okay. So like, for example, if somebody said, you know, let's say 100 years ago, someone said started talking about the iPhone, immediately someone's going to be like, yeah, that's never going to (laughs) happen. The reason why we don't think we can create it is because we don't know the how. And when we don't know the how, that's how we define something as impossible. That's not possible to do because we don't know the how to do it. Right. So like I could say to you, hey, let's fly around the room. And you're like, what? <laughs> I better talk to Joe about this. I know. Yeah. What does Joe have to say? <laughs> Joe will know how. Right. Right. But then I'm like, oh, no, this is how we do it. Right. So your brain immediately will accept something as possible if it knows how to do it. But how do you figure out how to do something if you don't allow it to be something that's possible? But your brain will reject it unless it knows the how. So the way that I I've been able to do this with my brain is allow my brain to consider the impossible. I'm like, okay, brain, we're going to keep it in the impossible realm for you but we're not going to shut it down. We're going to allow it to be impossible. And then we're going to be as if we can do that thing. So I know that it's, your brain wants to reject the idea of it right now. Cause you're like, wait, what, how do you believe that something's possible when you're allowing yourself to believe that, that it's impossible, But that's exactly how you do it because otherwise the brain won't hold it in its sights.
0: Okay. So we're saying basically you're just skipping the how portion by
1: saying it's impossible. And I want to feel that way. Like right now, making 15 million dollars a year is impossible because my brain is like, nope, there's no way you can do that. I'm like, okay, I'm with you on that. Like, stay with me. We're going to agree that it's impossible. But if we were going to do that, if we were going to align with that, if we were going to commit to the impossible. And for me, it's changed everything because it's allowed me to keep something present on my mind without instantly rejecting it.
0: Okay. So then what do you think about once you've said, okay, it's impossible. Like we don't have to argue that part. Now, what are you thinking about?
1: It's impossible. And I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's basically what I tell my brain. Right. So, and then I act from the future. So the future only exists in our brain in the present moment anyway, but I act, it's not, I don't want to say I act as if, because I'm not acting as if I'm, I'm genuinely acting In that moment, I'm aligned with that impossibility having already happened and acting from that place. So it's like what we were talking about with the weight, right? How would you show up in the world if the love of your life was already in your life?
0: I'm actually really close. I'm like basically there. I just get a little cranky sometimes, I think, with my ego. (laughs)
1: Well, exactly right. Right. Because you're already there because it's almost like you are the love of your life already. And there are times when you go to that place. But what I love about the idea of having that blank future that you can think like this is the other thing that I think is so cool that I've been talking a lot about lately is like you can think whatever you want. Did you know that like nobody can tell you like not only can you think whatever you want, but you can think whatever you want about yourself. Like you can think fantastic things about yourself and nobody can tell you that you're wrong and nobody can tell you that you can't think that you can believe whatever you want about your future and nobody can tell you that, you know, the only thing that can really block that from happening is your own brain. And you know what's crazy is your brain wants to block it all the time. You would probably call it the ego, right? It's just like, nope, never going to happen. (laughs)
0: Yeah, because it's seeking cognitive coherence. So since you don't have the neural pathways connected yet, it's saying, no, there's no pathways to this yet.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. And that's why your brain tells you it's impossible. And you're like, okay, yeah, it's impossible. Let's just keep doing it, though. I know it's the left brain.
0: It is. I think the ego kind of lives in the left brain. I, d- I haven't fully, you know, located the exact location of the ego, but I think it's in either the limbic brain. I'm still learning this stuff, but I think it's in the left brain. It's the coherence seeking. It's like, yeah, we have to think about this stuff more than just one time. The one thought is not going to create that connection. It takes a while to get there.
1: I love that you and I are so aligned in our the people that we love. So good. That's why we love each other.
0: I, well, it's not surprising. I think it is. We're, we've got the same crew. Okay, so what doubts or internal resistance are you currently facing in your life right now?
1: So I think it's kind of what I just touched on before. It's like my goals are so big that about every third day I ask myself who the hell I think I am. So I would say that that's kind of that doubt. Like maybe none of this is true. Maybe you can't create whatever you want in your life. Maybe you're just deluding yourself. We'll come out up about every third day. But I, you know what? I used to be kind of, I bet you some of your people can relate to this. I used to be kind of like, really, shouldn't I be over this by now? I should, I do this for a living. Like I work on this so much. I shouldn't be.
0: Shouldn't I be more aligned more often? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just like, oh,
1: hi. There you are. I am a human being with a human brain that wants to survive, that is concerned about me. And it's always throwing doubt my way. It's always throwing some shade, just wanting me to go back into the cave. (laughs) It's too bright out here. And so now I'm just kind of delighted by it. You know, I don't get upset about it, which, of course, makes it last much less time. And I'm able to work on it much quicker.
0: Just like I always say, it's like my dog that's barking at the skateboarders because it wants them to go away. It just wants to know it's doing a good job. And then it stops barking. it's just like, oh, thank you for recognizing that I'm doing a great job at protecting this house. Like, I'm doing a really, really good job. A listener actually tried this with her dog, and she was shocked that it worked.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I love it.
0: I know it's not about encouraging it, but it is about recognizing what they're trying to do and not fighting yes. them because they think that when you yell at the dog to say, stop barking, they think you're barking with you. So they think there is a threat and we need to stay in high alert. So when you're yelling at your ego or that part of you that's trying to protect you and it thinks there's still a scary scenario it needs to protect from when you're actually thinking it, it chills out.
1: It's so true. It's so true. But when you're in it, sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, then you got to go to Joe. I love that I've talked so much about him now that I said I was never going to talk about him in my head. Now if he's out there.
1: We're always just going to be like, let's ask Joe. What does Joe think?
0: What's Joe say? Right. Am I going to start sounding like a man? Like, what's I hope gonna so. going to happen if I start doing any? Yeah, who knows?
1: I hope so. I hope you get like a low man voice and then I'll call you and ask you for
0: advice. Now on the lively show, Lively Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to be channeling on the show next week on the show. Do it. Why not? I'm all in. We'll see. All right. So what would you tell someone
1: just starting out on this journey? Oh my goodness. I would probably say there are things, and this is where I'm at in my life too, right now. There are things that you don't know that you don't know. So if you can be open, and this is where I'm at in my life, this is so it's the same for a beginner, same for someone that's been at it for many years, right? There are things that we don't know that we don't know yet. If we can just be open to the question of what is it that I don't know yet, you will have a much more spectacular life than if you're constantly. Questioning everything that you learn, being open to what you don't know that you don't know, I think is the best advice you can give anybody. Doesn't that trip you out to think about?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, right now I feel like a sponge. I'm just soaking in so much and I'm keeping an open mind. Like a year ago, like past lives or any of this stuff, like would be so hard for me to accept from a purely rational level and just to open myself up and just say, yeah, you're right. I don't know, but I want to learn more and just just stay with my intuition and open-mindedness, that is a really happy place to be, I'm finding.
1: Yeah, and you can always go back. That's what I always tell everyone. You can always go back and like not believe it again, but at least give yourself the chance to believe something and explore it. The, the whole thing about past lives, like I don't spend any time thinking about past lives, but I'm totally open to the concept of it, right? Don't close yourself down to something that you don't understand because you never know how much something can change your life that maybe you're not open to at this time. I mean, there's just so much to be open to, I think.
0: Brooke, I love talking with you. I love you. I love talking with you too. Is it over already? I know it is, but we can have you come on again. Maybe we could just make this a regular chit chat session.
1: I love where your head's at. I love where you're going. I want to hear all about it. Keep me updated.
0: Okay. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely. Anytime.
0: And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Brooke, thank you again for coming on the show. If you want to send Brooke a message, you can do so over on Twitter at Brooke Castillo. Or if you want to find her on Instagram, she's at Life Coach School. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, which I do sometimes use, or Twitter, you can find me over at Jess C as in Castillo Lively. For show notes for today's episode, head over to slash quantumbrookcastillo. And before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk with Prep Dish founder Allison Schaff about today's sponsor, Preptish.com. Allison, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me, Jess. Let's talk a little bit about yourself for those who have not heard about you or Preptish before.
2: Sure. I have a company called PrepDish. It's a meal planning website that provides grocery lists and instructions for prepping meals ahead of time. I'm married to my husband, Brooke, and we've also been doing a lot of traveling and we love listening to your podcast and hearing about all of your travels as well. Where are you speaking to us from now? Currently, we are in Hawaii. My sister moved here, so that gave us a good excuse to come out here for a few weeks. That's fantastic.
0: So, when it comes to prep dish, what inspired you to start it and how does it work?
2: So, you know, with my work as a personal chef, I was working with clients one-on-one and I had this system of, you know, prepping their meals ahead of time, and when I went to expand that business, it just made sense to in order to reach more people, I was like, well, I have this great system that I could share with everyone. And so, so that's what I did. You know, I wrote down all of my recipes and the whole prep day process. Having an organized grocery list is so important, you know, when you go into the store. So I put all of that together into meal plans and have been selling those online for four or five years now.
0: It's such an easy thing for people. And I know from all the listeners that we've had that are users of the product that have come on the show people say that they get in better shape because you make really healthy meal plans with paleo and the gluten free options as well. And it even works for Whole30, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we've started making sure they're Whole30 compliant or on some of them that they can, you know, be adjusted for that. And it really does help because, you know, when it's the foods in the fridge, and it's not a temptation, it's you don't even think about the fact you're eating healthy, because they're just tasty meals, really.
0: Yeah. And they're saving tons of time as well. I've heard people say that. And they buy less groceries because they're not having things go bad. They know that when they go and purchase, they know they're going to use everything that they've put in their cart, which I don't know, back when I had a grocery list, that was not always the case for me in my life before.
2: Yeah. It's an efficient way of of doing it. And I I always kick myself when I don't go into the store with one of my prep dish grocery lists.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, you have a challenge right now, and this is new. We've never talked about a challenge through Prep Dish. So can you tell us what the challenge is and how it works?
2: Yeah, so it's a twenty-one day meal prep challenge. It's a little bit different than the regular meal plans in that it's uh three meals a day, seven days a week. So it's really getting you onboarded onto meal prep, like all in. And there's a lot of added support and accountability. There's also a lot of excitement because everyone's doing it together and we have a, a Facebook group page and just really perfect for someone who's always thought like, gosh, I wish I could get into this meal prep thing, but I've never had a chance to do it. That's awesome. And it's just for three weeks. Like
0: it's just the perfect time to start a habit. And I know this is also aligned with flow. How is that the
2: case? Well, the way I look at it is when I go throughout my week, I try and always do the meal prep thing. I sometimes don't. And on those weeks when I don't, I feel like I'm getting to lunch and I'm like, ah, what am I going to eat? And I'm stumbling. And that kind of takes, that takes you out of flow, right? So if my fridge on Saturday, if I do my meal prep, my fridge is filled with all of my meals. And then, you know, throughout the week, all I have to do is open up the fridge and pull it out. And I know what I'm going to eat. And that just helps me to flow. And there's a lot of ease to that because I'm not scrambling or stumbling at all when it comes to meal time, And if you think about it, you know, that's 21 meals a week is a lot. So that's a lot of stumbling if you don't know what you're going to be eating.
0: That's a lot of ease if you have it already taken care of. So for the special offer for this challenge for Lively Show listeners, where do they go to get this and give it a try?
2: Go to preptish.com slash lively.
0: All right. So preptish.com slash lively is how you can give yourself the 21 day challenge, get all of those meal plans. Obviously, you don't even have to do it the challenge time frame that you're doing it in. You can just get it and then try it at your own convenience as well, correct?
2: Yeah. So it's during the specific days. So it starts on June 3rd. So you don't have to follow the exact days, but we do have it set up to where they do it on the days. So everyone's kind of doing it together. And as a group, there's a lot of excitement around that.
0: Perfect. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. And now for where I'm headed to next. I'm not sure. Maybe more Ibiza, maybe moving on to Barcelona, London, Lisbon. I don't know. If you want to find out where I'm at at this point, please go to Instagram for updates. I'll be sharing there. And until next week, when season four of The Lively Show begins, may something wonderful happen to you today.